Listener Production. You are listening to episode 178 of the Howie Games, part B featuring Dylan Buckley. Do not forget to check out Dill's podcast, Dill and Friends. It's a beauty. All right, let's get going, Tommy. Just a final one on your footy, mate. Yeah. I appreciate your openness. Um, so you got delisted from the Blues and then yes. you get delisted from the Giants. Um, how does the conversation go? Tell me about what happened at yeah, Carlton. That's actually a really interesting story. When I left, I was, I knew, like, you have to be pretty silly not to see that coming. Okay? Like, it's, you, so, you know what's got, they're delistings. You'd played, I, played I think I played a couple games that year. Yeah, that's Not it. sure. Yeah. So, like, you, and I'd signed one year. Like, I wasn't. So, does the coach call you in? Yeah. So, what happened was, um, obviously, no contract on the table. You're going into the end of your review meeting. And even sitting there, you know, I go to my weights coach and my nutrition plan and my eat meeting was at the end of the day and the whole time I'm sitting there going, I don't need this weights plan, you idiot. Like we both know I'm not going to be here next year. Like let's not, <laughs> right. let's not, let's not, you know, sugarcoat it. But for me, this was probably at the stage where like I went from that immature thinking to the, it's not what happens, it's how you react to it. Yeah. And walked up into the exit review. With? With Brennan Bolton, John Barker, Neil Craig. Stephen Silvani. Pretty imposing. Yeah, there's a lot. There's probably like six guys in there. Neil and I Yeah, Neil Craig, yeah, they're all all scary guys. And when you're not playing, your relationship's never like it's never gonna be incredible. Like I wasn't like I wanted to play, they weren't playing me. They're fair enough too. I didn't deserve to play. And they just said, Look, we're not offering another contract. Um, but what they said was they're like, We aren't gonna delist you. Um, because like of the relationship we have, we want to actually try and put you into another trade to give you another deal. And they were going to try and, yeah, just add me in as like steak knives somewhere else. And I, you know, which was nice, like appreciated it. But at that time, I've, I'd seen a lot of guys come and go and leave those reviews sour and, you know, sort of go, F you, you guys didn't give me the chance. And that wasn't how I felt. I wanted to live on good terms. You know, I had family at the club, was love the blues still to this day, like incredibly grateful for everything that went. And just had this realisation, like, these guys are just doing their job. Like, I'd probably make the same decision if it wasn't me. And just honestly went in there, had this epiphany and was like, I genuinely cannot thank you enough for the opportunity. Like, it means the world. I've come here a boy, leaving a boy, but you know, with a few more bruises and a bit more wiser and learn a lot about myself. Like I've grown up there and just thank them for the opportunity and, and couldn't be more lucky and just wanted to call it home. And, you know, I just remember Bolts, like hugging Bolts, hugging um, Sauce and like both all crying because it was just like a really nice time. Um, not that I'd had the impact on Phil, but I was definitely a part of the club. Of course you were. Um, and yeah, it was a really cool moment because that period, it is really hard to leave a place, you know, it's like, it was like a breakup, like a mutual breakup. Yeah. Um, but I really appreciated it. And then, yeah, like I've, I've got great relationships with all those people to this day. Like Bolts is one of my favorite people I've met in, in footy. The man I've learned from him, not so much about footy, but about life has been crazy. Like he, he really helped me turn into a man, I think, um, with a lot of things that he taught us. But yeah, the other one was pretty funny too, like with, with, with the um, Giants, with the Giants, with Leon Cameron. So you spent two years there? Two years there, two of the best years ever, ever. Even though you weren't playing? Oh, mate, the best, the best. Like going away from family in the bubble and yep. 
I don't know about you, but one thing I'll be doing with my kids is saying, you need to go move into state and get away from me and go grow up yourself because I'd still mum doing my washing, you know, like at that time and I had to move up there and do shit for myself for once, which which was cool. So, yeah, learnt an immense amount and forever in debt to the Giants and the people up there. Like, what a time. Unbelievable. You're spot on that you want your kids to explore, but now as a father, I hope my daughter lives at home till she's 55. <laughs> My son can leave at 35, yeah, but these yeah. feelings are still to come yeah, for you. I know. No, it was bloody incredible, that whole experience. And those guys, you know, I came there, delisted, had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, started a podcast up there and they just embraced. Like I spent more time in the media department than I did on the training track, to be completely honest. So, so that's the next point. Yeah. At the Blues, you did discussions with Dylan. Yeah. I had a look at a couple of those. That yeah. was your early I mean, foray. Great. And then, so your first ever podcast was Josh Kelly. The yep. smooth mover. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it means a lot. Hello, my name is Dylan Buckley, and this is my podcast, Dill and Friends. Guys, it's been a while. Thank you very much again. Um, it's been a while in the making, but an absolute pleasure today. I have one of my great friends. Uh, he's 23 years young, tall, dark, and handsome. Melbourne boy living in Sydney with a bachelor lifestyle. Yes, ladies, he's single. He loves keeping fit, social, and being the face what of the GW. What made you think this is something I want to do? Did you just like chatting to people? Like you're a curious cat. Curious cat. I, when I left, Carlton scared the shit out of me. I had no job. Like I had no idea what I was going to do. Like I, you know, as I said, I didn't play many games. Had no qualifications, no career path. Like to move to. Got offered to like a lot of local footy roles where I'd go and work as like a sales rep for a steel fabrication company or something like that. That was and play and play, and I was like, "That's a that's a deal with the devil," you know. Yeah. And it's just not what I wanted. I'd seen a lot of those things go wrong. You know, you're owned by a club and you've got to do this. So that was the reason where even if I'd had been not got the Giants contract, I wasn't going to play footy again. And that period of like getting to the Giants, unbelievable. As soon as that happened, I was like need to work out what is next with my life. Like, this is an opportunity to go up there. Mm. And this is a lot different to a lot of the people you would have had. But I went up there as a part-time footballer, part-time, let's work some shit out, man. Like, you know, you've only got maybe 12 months to this happens again and let's work out what it is. It's good. And that's a, it's it's a wrong good. mindset to have. Ah, it's, but good it's, awareness, also, it's good awareness. Well, it is. It's awareness of the situation. Like, it's what reality was. And there's the, the, the fairy tale story that, you know, I make the team play every 22 games and win a flag, but... I'm happy with my story at mm. the moment. Um, I bet. Anyway, did that and walked in and the whole other part of it is, I suppose, when I was at Carlton, I was so, and this was a big part of my young days. As I said, why didn't you play those games? All I wanted to be was liked. Didn't give a shit about being respected. <laughs> and I'd played that role so long of like, what does Juddy think of me? What is, I want these guys to like me and this. And I was like, when I got to the Giants, I was like, I do not care what these blokes say about me anymore. I couldn't give it an absolute shit. Blokes used to bag me about doing Dylan friends at Liz at um I Dill discussing with Dylan or whatever at Carlton. They're like, you're not even getting a game and you're doing TV. And it really played on my mind and wanted them to like me. And then I got to the Giants, I was like, I don't give a shit. I am gonna start this podcast. I couldn't give a shit what Toby Green or Josh Kelly around says. And as soon as I said that and made that like a thing, everyone was like, that's a great idea, man. <laughs> like that's a great idea. And it comes back to that whole thing of like, once you do something and you decide, people do just get get out of your way. They get out of your way. Mm. And the analogy of like driving down Punt Road, if you put your indicator on and you wait for someone to let you in, 
no one's going to let you in. If you do it and you start turning, people go, oh, shit, this bloke knows where they're going. Mm. And that was the same analogy <laughs> when we started the podcast. Um, I was like, I'm going to do this. And I don't care what anyone thinks. And everyone loved it. And the support they gave me was huge. Um, and it was huge. So that's how it all started. And, yeah, I used to, you know, Ryan Miller, big shout out to him. He was like the head of me- uh, one of the media guys there. I used to go and you teach me, teach me how to edit and do all those things. But the reason I did it was I couldn't get into radio. Couldn't do it. No one wanted to talk, which was what did I have to talk about on radio? I used to go, I went up there to a famous radio station. I won't mention the name of the very famous. They're still going. And it was the most embarrassing day of my life. I sat there. They didn't speak to me. I was like, oh, God, this is never going to work. And then credit to Liam Fannigan and Mark Geyer up in Sydney. I reached yep. out to them through Lee Merrick, who was a guy that yep. worked at the club. Were they doing rush hour? They were doing the rush hour with MG. Yep. And for two years on Tuesday night, I'd go after training and produce that radio show with them. Right. About league, which I knew nothing about. So so what you did, and I, I get quite a few people contact me and say, how do I get into sports media? And, and um, they're coming through school or whatever. And I always say, look at Dylan Buckley. Look at what he's done. He didn't play the 300 games, but he's worked his butt off and he's used social media and he's used his podcast. So you're, you're the poster boy, I think, for um, non-superstar athletes to create their own role. So you, you couldn't get the job on the radio or the TV. So you've created your own operation. So just it's so people that aren't aware or like – it's Producey, your company now. Yeah. What podcast are you rolling with at the moment? Yeah, so a bit like how you claim you're the number one sports podcast yeah. in Australia, we claim we're the number one sports network in Australia well, independently, which, like, we, which like, we actually are, to you be claim honest. It. Yeah. I and claimed it with 10 downloads, though. I probably, yeah. <laughs> I probably went a bit hard. We've got I went a bit hard a bit earlier. Yeah, so we're um, – Producey is a – uh, media business. We yep. have two parts of the business. One's a sports network, which is, you know, Dylan Friends, List Cloggers, 200 plus and Tradies, which is one of our new shows. Yep. And yeah, we like to say we are independently one of the biggest sports networks in Australia. Um, and we also do um, work with a lot of businesses and companies on uh, videos and podcasts for businesses as well. So there's two parts of the business. Um, and that was born from Dylan Friends. Like I left... Somehow this whole podcast, look, there's a lot of fortuitous timing about this podcast game, as you know. Mm. It wasn't a, like, I, I'm not sitting on it thinking I had the magic carpet. Like I had, I didn't think it was going to be anything. I was using it as a showcase to show radio, hey, I can do this. But you must have worked your bum off. We did, but everyone, like, you know, everyone, and everyone does. No, they don't. Well, a lot of people do. And it was, yeah. So, so when did Dylan Friends, how many episodes in did it get to the point where you're like, hang on, I, I can expand this? This can be something that Not I can for actually like three do. years. Okay. Yeah. So anyone listening that wants to start a podcast. Yeah, it takes a while. Three years. Yeah. So when, when, how many years in would you have made your first dollar from three the podcast? Years. Three years. Yeah. So you've done three years of community service. Yeah, well, I did it for, for three years and had a lot of help along the way from various people. I think my biggest talent in the world is actually just surrounding myself with the right people. That's mm. like my number one strength. I can just, I just attract the good ones. But when I left footy, I went and worked at 3AW for nine months. So I was working um, for them, doing like producing on radio for like Dee Dee Dunleavy and Tom Elliott. And did you want to be on air at that point? I did, but I, and that was still the dream, you know, because podcasting still wasn't a thing. Mm. And then I just didn't get put on any shifts anymore. Um, looked at the roster and it wasn't never a good sign. It was, yeah, it was 
sort of been sacked by Carlton, sacked by the Giants, and then just left off the roster at, at three. Which, to be honest, was like the best thing ever. So you weren't sacked. They just didn't have. I the, wasn't sacked. You didn't have the. There was a miscommunication. Right. Yeah, there was a miscommunication right. there. I think I no exit know. meeting. They thought I was having a week off. Turned into like. Four years off now. Um, so tech, I'm still in the books there, I think, but I just haven't really been shifted on since. And, yeah, that was when it got to the stage where once I sort of got not put on any shifts on it, I was like, shit, maybe I have to just go and do this now full time. And from there, you know, um, Sam Bonza, a guy that I met, came on and said to me, I want to come and help you produce a show for free. Sam came on. And um, yeah, started producing the show with me, and it, to be honest, it just snowballed. Then my business partner Adam Baldwin, who was actually my mentor, um, he was a mentor of mine. And then we we you know we birthed um, Producey, um, and now we have yeah four full time employees and three part time employees. And yeah, we do four podcast shows um, that you know are sports shows. Um, that you can find anywhere, and yeah, we also work with other businesses on branded content and stuff as well. So it's been a wild ride. That's for sure. It's and, super weird. Uh, what is it about Dylan Friends that has made it so successful? I'm not going to lie, easier when you get in the game early. Like that that really helped, you yeah. know. Basically just copied Howie Games um, <laughs> just with a better-looking host. Yeah, and, better-looking host. And a younger demographic. And a younger demographic. But I, I think the beauty of it, and I used to take this as like, and if I tried to improve it, but the beauty of it is, is like, we're not, no one's pretending to be anyone. But you're cut through, I reckon, between us, we've got the demographic. Mm. Yeah, but, but you're probably a 15 to 28 man, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and, and I'm probably a 28 plus yeah, man. 70. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're probably right. You're probably right <laughs> as I get older. But the, the yeah, the younger... I think what I'm trying to say is I hope that my podcast gives a lot of lessons and we do have a lot of kids listen, mm. but you've got a core demographic of young people and you're helping set them on a path of positivity and success through what you're doing. And I guess my question is, do you understand the positive effect you're having on the young community? Because it's something quite wonderful that you are doing through being a relatable, funny regular dude who speaks to people that are quite inspiring. That's what I see the the, the success of your podcast. Is. Oh, it's, yeah, that's that's very kind. I think for me personally, I see myself as just a part of the community and I'm just the one that's lucky enough to ask the questions and sit in the interviews. Yeah, um, which is a ch- huge privilege. It's a huge privilege. And I'm just the one, yeah, as I said, I'm lucky enough to be, because the questions I'm asking, they're not for someone else. They're just for for the for me and they're for the people that are similar to me. Yes. You know, that, that's just curious about life, you know, trials, tribulations, wins, losses, all those bits and pieces. Like that's what we're curious about. And I, I look, I am so thankful and like forever grateful for every single person that you listen to one show, all of them, mm. because they have changed my life. You love them. Like I love them to death. Like when you say you love the audience, you no, actually love, do yeah, love the audience. Genuinely love them. Yeah, and like when I people come up to you in the airport or in a cafe and say, "Mate, I listened to your episode with such and such. I love your podcast." It means the world. Like I'd never ever get over that. Like when someone comes and recites something and they go, oh, "I remember this episode and you said this and I learnt this," and I was like, oh, "I didn't even pick that up." Yeah. Like, and you um, talked you talked about performance pressure as an athlete. You're now how old are you, mate? Thirty. So you're thirty. You're about to have your first child. You've got how many full time employees? You say four. 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 Yeah. So there is financial pressure. 
yeah. on you to perform and to continue. And, and people have come and worked with you at the start for nothing. So they've put their lot in with you. Mm. Um, you've got a family to support. Does the pressure of what you need to do, 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 do you wake up at night and think, heavens above, I've got to pay this bill or what's my next idea? Because you're a man that's brain pretty constantly ticks. Yeah. Yeah. Look, is there stress? Sort of. But I think I just back it in and can't worry about it too much because the one thing that gets me really is a weird way of looking at things and it's probably not the best thing to say, but if it did all fail, look at all the failures I've had. Like they've all worked out okay. <laughs> you know, they've, it's all, mm. it's got me to the next thing. So like whatever, I don't know. It's, it's very scary. It's very hard to say, but if it did, it's not what happens. It's how you react to it. And for people out there listening, do you see a enormous podcast in you? Like your podcast is very big now in Australia. Do you see a podcast where you can spread your message truly to the world, Joe Rogan style? No. Nah. Maybe not that big. Not interested, to be right. honest. Like I, if you told me today that like I'd, it wouldn't get any bigger than it is, I'd be like ecstatic. That's okay. Yeah. I'm, it's not about the numbers for me. It's about, I know what I have is cool and I'm, I really like where it's at and I think we, you know, spoke about this in maybe the episode I had on mm. my show with you. And for me, what's important with like success, success isn't about how big something can be or how much money I can make. It's it's working with cool people every mm. day. It's being able to go and play golf. It's being able to take a day off and go hang out with my family. Um, it's being able to, you know, Joe Rogan can go walk down the street and go have a coffee somewhere. Like not that, you know, that that's just crazy to be. Like I don't want that. Surely me. you can't walk down Ligon Street without. Like, mate, they they boo, off, they boo me off Ligon. They boo me off Ligon Street. Um, frequent listeners to this show know that uh, my kids like to ask questions. Oh, that's great. You now the get penguin. a question from the big penguin, um, who's listened to some of your work actually, and he's getting quite good at his delivery. He used to take a couple of um, getting takes, good at his bowling too. Yeah, he's going all right. He's going yeah. all right. The little fella, just ask him. Uh, all right, here you go. Hey, Dill, big penguin here. First off, I love your podcast. It's so good to listen to. Anyway, people sometimes ask my dad, who was his favourite guest? And he always says, oh, it's like choosing between my daughter or my son. By the way, I'm the favourite child. <laughs> anyway, who is your favourite guest you have had on your podcast? You can't, no excuses. Mm. It has to be a solid answer. Who was it? Tough question. Great delivery from the penguin. Yeah. So you've been a man. Well, who did you say? Give. I don't think I could do it. Well, why can I? Why do I have to do it? Then? Because you're the guest. You do it, and then I'll do it. But yeah, the thing, the, the thing I try to explain to him, it changes though all the time. Yeah, and also you're alienating the 180 other beautiful guests that have come on That's your what show. That's I mean. Yeah, but it's... he wants one name. All right, I'll have to give. Because I'll give you one that you might not know of the person. Because look, there's. The Petrarcas and the Judds and all these. The, no, people no, no, love no. those stories. One name the penguin wanted. He wanted Petrarca, did he? It, 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 well, no. Oh, okay. He wanted okay, one, one name. Now okay. you're starting Petrarca in no, there. No, no, you're no, throwing no. Judd in there. Oh, I'm going to give you one that I really, really enjoyed. Is a guy named Bo Miles. Bo Miles. Yeah. It's hard to inspire me yeah. because I have my own bloody truckload worth of inspiration. So I don't often go looking for other people doing cool yeah. shit. But when I, land, you know, when I come into a room and you you know, you're just all brimming with bloody cool creativity <laughs> and we're kind of in the same world. Yeah, it's good, 100%. It's good shit. So I'm not, I've got to get out more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to the right places. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually quite 
Um, are we started? Yeah. Let's start. Yeah, we're starting now. We're we're on. We're live. Oh, no, we're not. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> I'm actually quite the opposite in a way. Like I need to get out more, but like out to where you are more. So Bo Miles is an Australian filmmaker. He's on YouTube. He lives off the land. Hmm. He backpacked in all over the world and spent no money. Um, yeah, he, you know, he's slept in jail cells. He's just done shit that, you know, no, not a world that I've experienced before. Got you. And they're the stories that I love talk. I love talking to people that just have a crack. Um, so he's one that you wouldn't have heard of that Miles. I really liked. I'm going to listen. I'll probably listen, listen to it one. anyway, but I'll listen. Well done. I'll tell the penguin. Tell the penguin. Back to Dill shortly. Dylan mentions in this episode dual Brownlow medalist and premiership player Chris Judd, funny man. <laughs> funny man is Juddy. Chris joined us back on episode 32 of the podcast. And if you want to know how to get the best out of yourself, then this is an episode for you. When I was 10 or 11, the old man who did quite a lot of athletics at school and, and was a pretty good middle distance runner said, well, do you want to have a crack at actually training for it? Because I'd never trained for it. And a lot of these kids were already training you know, properly. I said, yeah, that's a good idea. So we trained every night for a month, um, which is too much. That's not really how you should train as a kid. Um, and we do either every day, sometimes it'd be early in the morning before school, sometimes it'd be at night at the Aths track. And we trained every day for a month, had a couple of days off and then ran the States. And in, in that time frame, I improved my time by 12 seconds, which is a huge amount in a month. <laughs> my word you know? it is. And, uh, and won the States, won the state championships. Um, so just at a, such a young age to get reinforcement that if you do the work and you plan for something, the benefits will come, uh, was really useful. It was interesting in that state, state final, the, the favourite who was meant to win fell over sort of during the race. Um, I wonder if the lesson would have stayed as strong if he had have ended up winning the race like he probably should have if he stayed on his feet. Um, you didn't do a sort of, was it Clark and Land? You, you, you didn't stop and <laughs> Not a chance. help him up, Not Juddy? Not a chance, no. Right, just, you just I, spiked him as you went past. Just gave him a little cupcake as I, right. as I, as I ran past. Um, so, no, there was none of that sort of sportsmanship stuff. It's um, amazing that you're saying if he'd gone on a one, how, how are those... Fleeting moments can make such a difference in life. He stays up, you do all the training, you don't win, you're like, hmm, well, that training doesn't really pay off. Yeah, or, or you're like, well, it pays off, but how much does it really pay off? Yeah, I still okay. didn't win. Whereas the reinforcement from actually winning that medal was really strong. Um, so that was, yeah, and that was something that stayed with me. And, and not always at the front of my mind, but you'd come back to it, um, you know, throughout my footy career. That is Chris Judd on episode 32 of the show. Let's get back to Dylan. There was an article in recent times about your father. Yes. And his struggles with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Beautifully written article. It was. That was Johnny Anderson wrote that article? Yeah, John Anderson, incredible guy. Um, and, and, yeah, really grateful. He's a yeah, very talented man. Your dad was very open in it for a man of his generation. And you spoke in it in the written word as well. It blew me away. And it made me think, um, I thought I knew you reasonably well, that you have no idea what's going on in people's lives on the next level. What can you tell me about that? And what was it like to make public, which was your father's decision, not yours? Mm. The public side of it was tough. Um, 
the whole thing was tough, to be completely honest. So, pe- so people will be now thinking, oh, what, what are they talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll more than happy to, to tell Only everything. Only parts you come Yeah, no, nah, like about. it's all there. So um, basically, my dad has struggled with alcohol addiction and, and mental health his whole, you know, pretty much his whole life. And it came to fruition to a point, I suppose, a couple of years ago. And I'd always known, you know, I think kids do. Like I always knew there was something not normal about what was going on. Um, and to God, I'll, I'll say this off the cuff, like my dad is an incredible guy. He was a great dad for me. Um, but yeah, he, he's battled with, um, with alcohol addiction and, and mental health issues uh, since, yeah, I was a kid and I'd, I always sort of knew something wasn't, wasn't right, but I, I never had the strength or the know-how to even approach that situation. Um, yeah, so for me, it probably came to a head about two, two, yeah, two and a half years ago when probably it was in a bit of a, a binge in a bit of a cycle and I knew things weren't going well. And, um, this was like a real, we talk about weird times. Like this was a time where Jazz had just been with our first ectopic pregnancy. My sister's about to have a baby. Dad's not well. So it was just like, we're in the middle of COVID. So it's just like this time where I was like, holy shit. No, I can't, I don't know what, what else we can sort of handle right There's now. A There's a fair bit going out. on. Yep. And yeah, I remember I just had to sit him down and, and confront an issue and say, look. How do you do that? How do you do that with your father? It was tough. Really, really tough. Um, but it, there was no choice. What words do you use? I didn't think, I don't even think I said anything. I think I just cried. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think we'd never had a conversation like that before. I just sat him down and said, look. I'm worried. Um, we need to do something about this. And, you know, he sort of, as, you know, he sort of played it off and just said it was a bit of a fact. And I said, nah, like, this is worse. You know, we need to, we need to do something about this. Like, we can't carry on with these, you know, this this way of living. It's, it's not a way to, to tell, live. Tell one of your parents. It is. Oh. And, yeah, it just, it probably took two or three weeks of just continually, you know, chatting with him and stuff like that. and Did he get annoyed at you for bringing it up or not? He didn't. Right. He didn't. In fairness to him, you know, he didn't acknowledge it. Straight, he just didn't acknowledge there was a problem, but he knew that, that there was, was was an issue, but it's very hard. You know, anyone anyone that's been through addiction or has family members been through any form of addiction, it's not an easy thing to, to handle. And no. and a lot of the time it's you're, you're, um, you're addicted to alcohol or drugs to combat other mental health issues. So there's a there's a lot going on, that, you know, that, at that stage. Anyway, um, yeah, through a lot of help and support from a, a doctor that um, that uh, I was really close with in Carlton days, Ben Barassi, Dr. Ben Barassi, he's an incredible man. Got dad to come and agree to see him with me and we went through the process of like seeing the doctors. And, um, and you were there with him? Yeah, I had to go Jeez. with him the whole time and stuff. And that was that was probably really challenging. Um but in a way, and, you know, I s- say this really strangely, like at such a shit time, it was just an incredible time. Like, because it'd been something for so long I'd wanted to do. And it was like, I was almost super proud of myself for finally doing it. And I, mm. I say it a bit, but I almost caught myself, you know, not that this story's about me at all, but I was sort of caught myself going like, fuck you, are you're amazing. Like, good on you. Like, keep going. Like, just being like, on my own side, just being like, you can, you can do this, you can support him and, and be there. And yeah, we, I ended up, um, 
you know, being with him through all those appointments and we finally got him to um, into the Melbourne Clinic. Did you who, take him? Yeah, I did. I dropped him off. Um, How was that? That was challenging. Yeah, that was... Why? Well, it it had probably been that built-up emotion of all those years and I don't think I'd ever seen my dad cry, to be honest. Never, ever seen him cry. He's not the generation that does no. or would. Never seen him cry and dropped him off at the clinic and the doctor. Yeah, you know, at a um, rehabilitation clinic, you can't go, you know, sort of once you're in, you, you're in and... I dropped him off and we just had a big hug and a big cry and he walked off and I don't think I could see him for maybe a week. Um, but yeah, spoke to him on the phone, but they also have their phone taken off them as well because when you, you're going through that sort of thing. And it was it was a really challenging time. And no one else knew at that time either because my sister was about to have a baby and stuff and we didn't want to work, like, you know, obviously quite a big stress. But yeah, like credit to him. The doctor said that, you know, and it said in the article, like, it's a one in a million, like, he gave him a one in a million chance to ever. And one thing as well, I might say, it's, it's day by day. It's a day by day thing. And that was a big stress about making it public for me. I was like, oh, but what if something happens? Or, you know, in your head, you think about that. And for me, it's a phase, it's a, it's a process he had to go through to um, two years of alcohol. And it's an incredible I'm so proud. He's been two years. Two years of clean, two and two and a bit years of clean, um, clean of alcohol, and yeah, I'd never seen him like that, and it's just unbelievable. Like it is, it's unbelievable. In what the, way is he different? Just clearer. Like he's um, just he's pre- the, the, the real funny things. Like even the other night, we're at dinner. Like my parents aren't together anymore, but they're very amicable, and we have a great. You know, really lucky to have a good family. My sister's a, keeps us together. Like she's just. Unbelievable strength, strong. And my mum, I can't even talk about her. She's she's the best in the business. But even dinner, he was like, we were all out having a wine for my 30th and he, you know, he didn't drink. And he was taking like videoing the dinner and I was just like losing it going like, he wouldn't have done that, you oh. know. And it was just funny. Like I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like dad like videoing, which is a small thing, but for me that wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. So And is he since he's been able to achieve what he's achieved to this point, has he ever said to you, son, I don't know if thanks is the right word, but have you discussed the fact that his own son was able to help him? Because normally, and you'll find this, it's you helping your kids the whole way and he will have helped you all the way to this point. I don't need that. Like I know he knows that. You know, I think... Mm. There's definitely been times where we've spoken about it and those bits and pieces, but it's more just like we have a bit of a bond, you know. When you go through mm. shit with people, you just have that cool little relationship with them where you see them in a different light and, um, yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. And, and, it, and to be honest, as much as he, you know, he, I've helped him, he's helped me because I, w- I didn't have the power to do that, um, a while ago. So what, you know, as I said before, what a gift in a weird way <laughs> mm. to be able to have that situation and come together from it. You know, but it's tied know. back into all what you said. If you had been a successful footballer, et cetera, you wouldn't have got into the podcast and you wouldn't have met all these amazing people and you wouldn't have learned how to have these conversations and you wouldn't have probably been delivering yourself to that point where you can have that conversation with no, your dad. No, not at all. Um, I've taken up far too much of your time. 
Um, you can go with one, but go with three if you wish. <laughs> I've, I've got to follow suit. <laughs> it's okay. got to be top three. Guests. Oh, you would love no, I hate this question. on Dylan Friends. I don't know, man. Like, I don't. You can choose anyone in the world. I think for me, people that are definitely on the hit list at the moment, I would say, look, there's some some names here that are just obvious names of mm. like, you know, Hamish Blake is someone that I just yes. to, I just respect, love to talk, and Andy. Yep. Um, I think people don't understand. A lot of people would understand, but I think the dynamic of them and, yes, they're the best sort of duo ever, but how they are off camera and how that is planned and how Andy is actually a business. They're both businessmen as mm. well and it, like that whole thing's really interesting. Um, I'd love to get, um, as I spoke to earlier, Louis Thoreau would be mm. someone. He'd be outstanding. For me, it's not so much the name, it's a story. Um, I, I said I would if uh, I had to choose one guest of mine that was my favourite um, is a guy called Jack Jones. Yes, you've stoked me about him before. You um, love him. So for people that ask me and I never give you an answer, listen to Jack Jones very early on in the show. All right, as you know, we always finish the same way. You've achieved from no background tremendous success in the media field. For those young and inquiring minds that are listening out there or those that are thinking of change of career that want to have success in their world, Dylan Buckley, what advice would you give them? Fail fast. Fail fast. Try mm. things out. There's a big time for me in footy when I actually feel like I didn't learn what I wanted to do. I learned what I didn't want to do. And that was just by trying stuff. Real estate, property, all these things. And it just narrowed it down to get me to where I am today. So try things, go for coffees, and if it doesn't work, fail fast, move on to the next thing. And no one cares. Like no one literally cares about you as much as you do yourself. Um, you're the only, you know, you're, you're the main character in your story, not everyone else's. So don't overthink it. It's a great answer. I didn't know you'd gone into the real estate caper. I tried. Give, <laughs> me, give, give me a spiel. We've got a nice no, Edwardian down here I, in South I, Melbourne. I, I worked out very quickly. That's not what I did. Well, did, you, did you try? Did you sell anything? No, no. I just went and had a meeting with someone. Right. I was like, no, not today. No, I'm not a, not a suit guy. Mate, I said at the start that I have, and I mean I have tremendous... Uh, respect for what you've achieved and I know that it's only going to get bigger and better and I look forward to seeing you just dominate the podcast space and leave the rest of us for dead but more importantly good luck having the baby Um, you and Justin I hope it all goes beautifully yeah I hope it changes your life I'm sure it will Um, and say good day to your dad I will Good and mate mate, a big thank you to you as well I know you're you're a humble man but I will say you've been an absolute um, incredible support for me a great person to model off you're an incredible guy as much as you're a good podcast you're an even better bloke and um i doubt i'd be where i am today if it wasn't for you pushing the boundaries of, of podcasting so thank you very much and i'm honored to to be a friend good on you mate we're both pretty fantastic aren't we oh fuck yeah <laughs> so let's give ourselves a pat on the back <laughs> after this. well done mate thank you good job Dylan Buckley podcast star, in fact, all-round star. Thanks to Dill for being Dill. May he have so much more success come his way. This is a man on the rise. Aside, you may have noticed the social media videos promoting the podcast episodes on Mark Howard 03 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or even on TikTok. The Howie Games, I think. That's not really my department. Anyway, the videos have gone up a notch or three. That is due to our new signing over the off-season, Marcel Moraes, video producing gun. Welcome, great man. Love your work. All righty. Until next time, with the great white shark himself, Greg Norman, peace and love. And we can do it. 
If we try, try, try If we try, try, try If we try, try, try